Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Raider Nation Radio on this Monday morning tailgate. It's Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, Clay Baker, and you. Let's go. So much to get into today as we start a new week. As the Raiders' mini camps begin to fade, and now you have that time off before training camp, and a lot to start to assess of where this team is at and where it's going. 69187 is the Salmon Ash text line. You can reach us here on the phones at 702-365-9200 and on Twitter at r 920 am It's the morning tailgate. Vinny, Heidi, and Clay, and it's all brought to you by the Finley Cadillac Performance Center Studios here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good morning. One more week. One more week of the off-season program, Heidi Fang, uh, and then <laughs> it is wrapped up until training camp, which is probably right around what July twenty-fourth or <laughs> so. Were we getting them around the eighteenth? Uh, it's about it's a week earlier, yeah, uh, because the Raiders obviously play in the Hall of Fame game uh, out in Canton, Ohio. By the way, I keep reminding everybody this: uh, if you're listening and you're you want to go check out a big party and a big celebration, uh, the Raiders have huge plans uh, for um, Cliff Branch and the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, in Canton later on in August. Uh, if you have time to get out there, I suggest that you do because it's going to be a Raider centric weekend. So uh, yeah, I would I would imagine around the twenty. 4th or so. Maybe a little bit earlier. We'll see. Just because that game, yeah. You get to have a, get things started earlier because of the game, so it's going to be exciting. But uh, I think uh, you know, as we look ahead here into the into the year and what's going on, I mean, I'm kind of excited to just start to see things cranking out in training camp. Mm-hmm. It's always my favorite because as much as we can talk about OTAs, 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 I just, until they put on pads, I'm not happy. It's... <laughs> Just generally, pads, and even putting nowadays, on pads is my pads favorite day. Pads, pads are your favorite day? Okay. Yeah. That used to actually mean something. It um, did. It, it's, it's, although, People although, get... let's let's leave open the room for, Josh McDaniels might handle things a little bit differently. You know, uh, the Patriots have been known to get after it uh, during training camp with actual hitting and whatnot. So let's see if that changes here with the Raiders. It, it certainly wasn't the case under John Gruden. They were... Pretty much in uh, bubble wrap uh, in, in training camp, <laughs> yeah, and understandably so. We all get why um, you don't want to, you know, waste bullets this time of year or that time of year, uh, and get guys hurt, guys that are going to be important to the whole process. Um, but I wonder if there's going to be a little bit more hitting going on um, with Josh McDaniels. I would like to see a little more hitting, just generally. By the way, the UFC card was great, speaking of hitting. There was good hitting? Yeah, I, ta- I spoke with some of Raider Nation out there during the uh, fight card, so it was insane. Insane card. Like, And on paper, it wasn't my favorite card. Right. Like, I'm looking at the one coming here to Las Vegas, I'm looking at ones that already took place, and I bought them, and I was like all pumped, and then, eh, you know, it wasn't like they were bad, but it wasn't to this level, this card delivered. Is it because of matchups or what? What made it happen? Yeah, that everybody went out there and it's like the uh, the title fights were pretty insane. Like Valentina Shevchenko, somebody that I haven't really seen challenged. It's like, oh, here's some more bounty fodder, and then she like actually just totally like 
had to uh, uh, fight. You know, it was yeah. kind of crazy. She so. had to scrape scrape away. Yeah. And, uh, like it was minus five hundred for her. She was such a prohibitive favorite again. I never seen her so challenged. And by yeah. the, I think by the end of the fight, that the other girl was a favorite. I think if if you were on live <laughs> betting odds, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So good good weekend for me. But interesting. Uh, uh, looking forward to seeing how things develop as we get into the training camp. Well, you know, with camp, you know, you're going to get a lot of different answers uh, for some questions that have been out there. And, you know, even McDaniels was talking about, you know, when the offensive line starts to solidify, they're going to reprioritize things, you know, after this part of minicamp, go into a couple weeks where they'll go and look a little further of how they want to start grouping ones and twos in that group. That's probably like their biggest uh, hurdle when they start looking at the offense could be just fine, but it can be considerably better if you get one portion of it fixed and the offensive line. So I, I can imagine when training camp does come around and you start to get hits, you'll start seeing a, a very good portion of who is really starting on that O-line and who they're going to count on for pass protection and for zone blocking and run game. Yeah, and I think that uh, getting Denzel good healthy is also a big part of that. Uh, I think he's a big part of, of, of what they want to do on the offensive line, but until he's able to get out there uh, and actually play coming off the knee injury, you know, there's a question mark there. And I thought it was interesting throughout um, the OTAs that we were at in minicamp, Lester Cotton was starting at right guard uh, with, the, with the number ones. Uh, the, the, that right tackle position was a, a mixture between Brandon Parker uh, and Alex Leatherwood. That'll get sorted out. But Lester, right now, in the absence of uh, Denzel Good, was the starting uh, right guard. And I think that probably surprised some people who were penciling in Jermaine Illuminar. But, you know, Lester Cotton, to his credit, Heidi, he's been in this program for a little while, uh, been in that development track, and we've seen it before where, look, a guy like Andre James you know, uh, ended up convincing them that, hey, I'm ready to take over at starting uh, center. Uh, you could go ahead and trade, um, you know, uh, Rodney Hudson and get younger and get a little bit cheaper. So there is precedent in history for that. Right. And I'm looking to see how that position does round out. Like you said, if Denzel good when he comes back, if he's in that starting role, which I think the assumption is that he will be. But when you think about all the other depth that they have on the line, it's like where... Will a guy like Lester Cotton, you know, fill in? Is he going to be the backup? And that's something that, um, as I as I continue watching, like th that's probably Clay once asked me, like, where is your focus going to be? Well, I still, you know, how I am about defense. I still want to watch what happens at <laughs> the D tackles and see how the cornerbacks kind of shake out depth wise. Uh, also, we have I'll have my eye on those. Offensive yeah. linemen. And is that because you feel like the offense is going to take care of itself? I'll, I really need to see the defense personally so I know where we're going at and, and who's really going to be re relied upon because these are a lot yeah. of new faces and it's a new scheme. Can't wait to see that. I mean, it's like so much of the differences in um, just depth when you look at the little, you know, the little um, things that are different from each person to person. I'm just curious to see, like, Who's going to be at right guard? Who's going to be at left guard? Who's going to be at right tackle? Those are the ones that are most interesting to me because I feel like Andre James is going to be the center and I feel like Colton Miller's definitely locked down that left tackle spot. That's not even a question. So the rest of those positions to me are still open. And that's where, like, okay. you know, where is John Simpson at right now? Those Starting. Are the, yeah, so we're, we're going to see the development of somebody and a challenge him for that role. And let's not rule out uh, the possibility of going outside the building uh, to, make a, to make a trade. And I think that, or excuse me, either a trade or or on the free agent market. And I think that's why these 
after they wrap it up uh, this week, I think the next few days or a week or so uh, after that are going to be critical because that's when they're really going to be scouring the tapes. Think about it. They've taped everything that's, mm-hmm. that's gone on. Uh, they have uh, a lockdown on all the information and, and what they need to see or what they didn't see. Uh, so if, 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 if the next couple of weeks go without them making a move, then they're pretty happy with what they've seen so far. Right. So again, I think when you think about all the different positions and everything, if you look over to like the cornerbacks, right, that's where I want to see what happens there. Um, Just because as well um, as the offensive line has some intriguing positional things that'll happen. I think there you have to wonder about depth and is Trayvon Mullen going to be that guy this year? Is it going to be Rocky Asin? Is it going to be, um, where does Averitt fit in? You know, all these different people that we have available in the rotation now, which a lot of them we haven't seen yet. So that's where, like, I'm, I'm looking to the secondary as well and thinking about uh, Harmon, where he fills in, and uh, just how that is going to push Trayvon Merrick along and Jonathan Abram. Are they going to be a bunch of three safety looks or they're not? There's just all kinds of questions I have right now, especially in regards to Patrick Graham and the multiple system and the sub-defense and what how it's going to shake out for each person. Is Amik Robertson going to make a move? Um, he got some play uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, people were asking some questions about Amik. He's been out there looking pretty good. He's actually. got a lot of fire, man. He's fired and up. And I, I go back to his college tape, and and um, the dude can play, yeah. at least in college. He was not afraid to hit. He played primarily on the outside on the perimeter. I know they tried to move him to uh, slot cornerback uh, when he got here because he kind of profiled his body type, profiled uh, at, at slot cornerback. But, you know, it didn't take. And there's a lot of differences playing at slot uh, compared to uh, the perimeter, the vantage point, where you're seeing the angles, having to play the run game, your guards are coming in and knocking you into tomorrow. Uh, you have to be aware of that. So some people aren't able to to make that to make that uh, transition. Is he a perimeter quarterback and now going cornerback and now going into his third year? Is he ready to make a move? Yeah, that's a great question. And you think about just I, what I've seen from him and watching his social media. There's like a lot of fight in on him to try to be able to. Um, make this squad this year. And I think he knows that for him, it's going to be a uphill battle to be able to get into that 53-man roster. And he is going to put everything that he has into it. And I like seeing that fire because I, I was looking at some of the things he put up on, on Twitter and, you know, they're edgy. They're edgy, and it's all about yeah. like fighting and getting in there and making it, and nobody's going to count them out kind of stuff. Did you, you feel uh, last year Amik was getting physical, like the physicality was starting to come out never him saw a little him. bit more? We never saw him. Amik Robertson? Yeah, I mean, barely. On the field, you know, we saw him in practice, but there's a, yeah. limit, a limit to the physicality in practice, so we didn't see him in games. He barely played. So right. it's hard but to- I mean, this time last year. In, in camp, did it look like he was starting to carve out a spot? Because no. there was a lot of competition in there this time last year with Rasul Douglas and everybody that was trying to, you know, see if you could push Damon Arnett a little bit. And, and eventually, <laughs> the, that, that and he, Damon did, he didn't do pushed. anything. At this time last year, Damon was over on his knee watching the whole time. He never, mm-hmm. he barely even played in um, in OTAs. Remember that? Yeah. He was I remember learning. a lot of people were wondering what was the deal. Like, was he hurt? No, it was like, like you, watching, go, you go sit over there and he, learn, yeah. <laughs> watch and learn and shut up and try to pick up things, uh, which obviously 
We all know what happened with that. Did I do that? But I, I think mean, he's sorry. just completely out of the league now. I mean, it's like he's not even, yeah, you know, not even considered a you know a relevant corner no, at no, this no, point. No. But you know, this he time needs to get last his life year, in order. He, he's got a lot to work on. That's for sure. And football is like the least of his worries. But for uh, a, a Meek Robertson, you know, he's one of the few leftovers of that draft class. He's somebody that you want to make sure, like, all right. Is he a death piece or can he compete for a starting spot? Because there's not a lot of light corners anyway out on this roster that are going to be around, you know, guaranteed for next year. Everyone's on young one year prove it deals. Yeah. Or Uh, or Mullins on an expiring deal. Right, exactly. And um, I think the good news for a guy like Amik is that I really truly believe that this staff has come in with an open slate. And uh, the cornerback, the DB coach uh, Simmons talked about that uh, last week was like, you know, not just for this guy or that guy, but for everybody. Whether you just showed up as a rookie, whether you've been here for five years, um, you know, everybody is going to get looked – everyone has an opportunity um, to, to put their best foot forward. And there's no pre- preconceived ideas or notions or anything like that. So a guy like Meek Robertson, um, he has an opportunity here to, to open some eyes and maybe forge a role for himself. Yeah, and he did play a couple of games just to go to the stat sheet, you know, where he was in um, as a starting quarterback. And then it says here, two games – at a 10 that he is actually in. So he probably played some special teams, but like <laughs> yeah. he had a total That's of 19 right. combined tackles. And um, I, I think that when you think about that, that he's getting in on, you know, the plays, he's being a little physical. So, and that's where I've seen, like you said, you go back to his Louisiana Tech Heck tape. Yeah. Like I remember watching him in that, and he was like just a dog, just yes. always fighting, just always getting after it, always um, pushing his own pace. And you could see like just, he always knew that, you know, his height and stature wasn't going to help him out. So he used his body in ways that he could be physical and still make plays. Uh, Obviously he wouldn't have made it through the NFL draft, but I think like uh, it's just, it's just a, somebody to watch for sure. I think, but it'd be interesting if they do throw him into slot corner when you have somebody like Nate Hobbs that can be very versatile and maybe you don't need him in that slot corner role maybe you have a different plan for Nate Hobbs because every time he was talking Vinny to me it seemed like he is going to be doing something else but he didn't want to let it really go and explain that and say what he's been working on mm-hmm. but I wouldn't expect him to be fully in a, a slot corner yeah I think that uh, as we talked about last week there's a chance for him to be a playmaker be for for packages or or you know uh, different calls specifically to unleash Nate Hobbs to go make plays. And I think in the, in the, um, you know, the, the, the pass rush game, uh, the blitz game, I think he's going to be um, a factor there and, and, you know, using him kind of like a honey badger type role. Um, we'll see. Um, but with, for, you know, for a meek, here's another thing that people, you know, we all, we often, all of us often overlook. This is his third defensive coordinator since he mm-hmm. got here. You know, Paul Gunther, Gus Bradley, uh, and now Patrick Graham. It's it's not the easiest way to step foot into the NFL. I know that it's a sink or swim, swim business, and you, you, you have to adapt and all of that. But imagine your head just spinning, coming in as a rookie, and then all of a sudden making the type of changes that they have. Uh, kind of crazy for, for a young player. It's the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio on this Monday morning. Vinny, Heidi, and Clay here with you. Let's take a break. We'll come back more on what we kind of observed over last week as well as where it's going now with this time off that will be coming up very, very soon and how this Raiders assessment will be on both offense and defense. All that and more on the other side. It's the Morning Tailgate. 
Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, Amik is a guy that uh, uh, shows a lot of versatility. You know, we know he's a guy that can move inside, outside the whole nine. The thing that I've been most impressed about is how receptive he is to coaching. I'm really excited to coach him and the way he's able to take the coaching and then show it on the field. So I'm excited to continue to work with him. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, and I just smiled immediately because when you think about it, I mean, to go against these guys, uh, you know, to take your lumps, to go out there and, and make plays, Hopefully that just gives these guys confidence, you know what I mean, that they, that they can play and play at a high level. But it's a great opportunity to play against such talent on the other side. Raiders defensive back, coordinator, DB coach, it's Jason Simmons here on Raider Nation Radio. Coming back, talking about Amik Robertson, but also uh, seeing the opportunity to go up against the Raiders wide receivers in practice is the best way for this group to start, you know, uh, scattering and delineating who's going to be starting, who's going to be a depth piece, all that and more. As you so you know, you hear a lot from these uh, the coaches, and I I think uh, one of the comments, and I think it was you, Heidi, that asked Jason about Patrick Graham. Like, what's it like to work with Patrick Graham? And and I like what he said there because he was something that was like very in tune about not only you know getting a chance to work with him again, but knowing that there's so much intelligence there that we're just scratching the surface of what they want to do on defense. The first thing is like Pat is a really smart man. That's that's the first thing that that you know, and, and from when you guys speak to him and you see him on the field, and he's passionate about football. So you know, working here, it, it's like a delight for me. I, I learn every day. That's the thing. I wanted to come somewhere where I was able to learn. You know, to you know, grow my career as well. And, and working with him, coach Coach McDaniel and Pat, that's this is what this opportunity has given me. So where do you find um, the starters that'll be on defense? At what point in training camp will they start really starting to focus on who they want? Because McDaniel says we're looking at the guys right now, then we'll reprioritize everything else by the time training camp comes in. So how do you think this is going to play out? Because Patrick Graham, smart guy, but when does the, you know, when do the diapers come off and everyone starts going to work? <laughs> well, first of all, you got to get Trayvon Mullen out there. But I think one tra- if Trayvon is healthy, uh, I think your starters are going to be Rock Yassin, Trayvon Mullen, Nate Hobbs, Trayvon uh, Morig, and and Jonathan Abram. I think it's fairly unless a a surprise happens, Heidi. Right? Do you see it? I, I don't. See, I think, and then I think you have some pretty good depth uh, uh, behind them. And I think what works or what helps, as as Coach Simmons alluded to uh, earlier, when you're going against Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and on and on and on as defensive backs day in and day out, play in and play out, rep in and rep out, you're only going to get better off that because I don't care who you're playing against uh, from every Sunday from that point on. It's you're not going to see anything better than what you see every single day on your own practice field. Right. So I think as the competition plays out, I I don't know who can really challenge for those starting roles um, that's just straight off the roster if you're just going off of that. I mean, you know, um, there's guys like you know, Darius Phillips there, and, you know, Craven LeBlanc, but I don't see them as challenging for starting roles. I see them more as depth guys that, you know, have an, a chance to make the roster. Um, when you go on the safety, you know, there's harm in there, but I, I think 
the he could be used in situational plays a lot of times you, know, you used to hear the name the closer for this guy because yeah. he would you know get those end of the game type interceptions that seal the game for the team yeah he's a ball hawk but i don't see him competing right now with a guy like um trayvon merrick so i think no when, not at all yeah but overall i just think that it's gonna um it's still gonna be interesting to see how the depth plays out but yeah i'd agree with you Vinny, that those are the, probably the starting five and you know uh we, keep in mind there's gonna be a lot of sub packages too we saw a lot mm-hmm. of three safeties um uh over yep. the last couple of weeks where jonathan abram was very close to the line of scrimmage almost as a de facto linebacker right uh and then you had Harmon, right and then um uh Trayvon Morrig on the back end. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a little bit of that. I think Anthony Averett, guys like that, and Darius Phillips are are, are guys that have started in the past uh, and, and provide pretty good depth. And, and you know, when we're talking about – I know that Rocky Asin is sort of a question mark, but he's a question mark to Raider fans because they haven't seen him in the silver and black. They haven't seen him in a Raider uniform. But this is a guy who started for a very close to – uh, playoff team last year in the Indianapolis Colts. And really, it wasn't their defense that blew it. It was the offense that blew it uh, down the stretch. So he's a guy that started on a pretty high-level team, as has Trayvon Mullen. The only issue with Trayvon Mullen is the health part of it. If only Jonathan Taylor really was the whole team, then they would have had it better. Right. Still to this day, the, the Raiders' win in Indianapolis was such— nobody gave them a chance to win that game. All right. Going to Indianapolis, uh, their yard, that time of year, a must-have win against a team that was also in a must-win situation, and the Raiders won that game. That was such a huge victory, looking back on it. No, I remember that, all the acrimony before the game uh, throughout the week about Carson Wentz. And, you know, uh, is he, you know, is he going to be able to practice coming off of COVID and he didn't get the shot? And it was like uh, everything was setting up for a Colts collapse. But it was it was an absolute, uh, you know, miracle the way the Raiders were able to get the ball back and end that game. But, you know, it's it, it wasn't Rock's total uh, starting job. I mean, he was he was still battling for a job and, and competing back and forth there at corner. And when you start to look a little further into his stats that he did have, like, you know, even maybe in like seven games started, he still had games where he shut down a lot of activity. Only 35 yards after the catch uh, Rock uh, uh, had last year. That's formidable. That that shows you that there's a, an absolute, you know, gradient of him getting better throughout the years. But I, I, I think that, um, you know, he's going to be asked to do a lot. Anthony Averett was also paid $4.5 million. Anthony Averett's a ball yeah. player. He he's not play. He's not going to be sitting the bench at, at $4.4 million well, as a salary. And again, we got to remember there's sub packages. Even though you're not starting, you're playing. As long as you're in that rotation and you play more of, of that than you do the starting base defense anyway. So, um, you know, we get caught up in that, I think, the starter's distinction. But are you on the field? And I think Anthony Averett's going to be on the field. Yeah, I think he has the opportunity to be out there for sure. But there's like so many different setups that you can imagine with this defense that we need a solid and sturdy rotation of players that can come in at any given time. Um, depending on how the the system is set, that's one thing that intrigues me about Patrick Graham is just how is he going to really use this packaging you know it, the the base idea is the three four but uh, beyond that like i'm just kind of curious to see how everything starts shaking out once they get onto the field and into real play i think you're going to see a lot of of packages i think you're going to see a yeah. lot of sub packages yeah. i think you're going to see a lot of roles for for players uh that might not be huge roles but 
roles like as we've talked about that take advantage of players' strengths. Yeah, and that's why like I don't want to sit here and say, well, you're not going to see Anthony Averett, you know, in in actual play He's, maybe 30 there, yeah. 40% of the time right. because it's going to be a rotational look from Graham and I, I honestly don't know what that looks like yet. That's why I'm just kind of like, well, it could be this or it could be a 335 or it could be a 425 or it could, you know, how many different ways can you make 11? The answer is yes for Patrick Graham. Well, and I think that also finds out like who's going to be your defensive leader. <laughs> and maybe we found a little uh, name closer to that in last week's pressers, a name that kind of came up a, a couple of times. Maybe it means of somebody who they feel familiar with, not running a Patrick Graham defense, but a Patriots defense. I'll tell you what that means coming up next on Radio Nation Radio. Over. Back in the gun. Takes the snap. Straight back. Forced out of the pocket. Has to throw on the move. Intercepted. Intercepted by the Raiders. The former Charger, Casey Hayward. He makes the interception. Dashes into the end zone for the celebration. Third and goal to go from the six. Roethlisberger under center. Drops back. He pumps. He pumps. He pumps. He throws through the middle. It's back and complete. Intercepted by Harmon. He's got it. Flushing to Harmon. An interception in the end zone. The Patriots are going to win in Pittsburgh. It's a Monday. Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker with you on the tailgate. Coming back here with Raider Nation Radio's Brett Musburger, Compass Media with a call, and Patriots Radio Network. Um, you know, Deron Harmon is somebody that's been around the league for a while, won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. Uh, last week, when getting a chance to listen to both Trayvon Merrick as well as Coach uh, Jason Simmons, yeah, it was it was brought up that Harmon's experience in the system was one in which you know he's becoming a, a more of a communicative play caller. Uh, this was Simmons last week, kind of maybe explaining perhaps there might be a a, a, a leader emerging from this uh, this group of safeties. Uh, well, you know what the the main thing is that you see in Deron Harmon is really the only one that's playing the system pretty much in the secondary. Uh, you know, to see him uh, have the call command. You know what I mean? It, it's something that, that you can tell that was preached, uh, something that was emphasized, and, and that's communication, and that's where we're trying to grow defensively now. As Jason Simmons from last week. Call command, that's something that uh, they want to see from not just Patrick Graham's system that he's been working with, but Patrick Graham's system with the Patriots is kind of like something that they want to get a little closer to and having at least somebody with that kind of experience to at least allow a lot of the call command to go through him and at least start teaching the communication of what is needed during games. I think we're starting to see more of what Duran Harmon can do because you know he's been around this uh, this league now for, since 2013 he's been drafted. I can't believe he's been in out, the, out here that long. But he's somebody that they can rely on because not only is the production there, but there's somebody that is going to go and be um, at least – Maybe like another coach on the field when it comes to what they want desirably for defense. By the way, a little breaking news. Uh, the Raiders just signed uh, Chris Jones, confirming that cornerback. Oh, uh, so they've really? added another, uh, another player to the uh, to the uh, Depth competition. Backfield. Whoa. So uh, let's take a look at um, Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. That's good. It shows you that they haven't been totally uh, impressed with who they've been bringing in so far at corner. That like the answer hasn't been totally uh, you know figured out of who they really want. Or maybe they need more competition, but getting more talent there—that's a good sign. 
26 years old, uh, has started six games uh, since 2018. Uh, Blast played with the Tennessee Titans last year. Uh, finished with, played seven games, seven tackles. So, it, uh, you know, somebody to bring in uh, to More compete. Depth. Yeah, uh, to <coughs> compete. Um, so uh, we'll see where, where that's all headed. I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to think of the, the math game uh, at, at cornerback and, and what that kind of means. But, you know, you need bodies in training camp without question. Absolutely. And you can always use them on special teams as well, trying to see how uh, everybody starts shaking out into those positions and where people end up. And just, yeah, I think it's a, another, I think doesn't that actually make it 90 now? Because I think they were hovering at 89 on the official roster. So I think if they bring this, this makes it officially 90. Yes, um, I, I believe so. Uh, they, they had yeah. one more roster spot. So uh, uh, not not a big surprise that it's at uh, it's in the defensive backfield. He'll get in this week and, and you know, uh, over this last week of, uh, of OTAs. I'm not sure if the Raiders are going to actually practice. We'll find out uh, if they're going to take advantage of, I think, because they have one more OTA yeah, practice. Yeah, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 14th. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be on the field uh, for practice. We'll find. We'll find out. Hopefully, we're going to have some availability tomorrow, uh, regardless of whether they're on the field or not. But uh, but there you go, Chris Jones, uh, now a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. There you go. So we'll see how that all shakes out with the just defense and where they again the packages we've been talking about you don't know what's going to happen with the mixture of everybody so uh i i like the idea that you bring in more people to be able to kind of either up the level of competition or keep people on their toes or whether like you said Vinny, it's just some training camp bodies should be interesting yeah, uh, no question about it. They're trying to find the right mix uh, back there. And, um, you know, it's always funny because when you add another player, you, you wonder what the ripple effect is in the building. Am I not doing the job right? Or are they down on me or or this group? Uh, it doesn't, you know, Chris Jones is a young player, doesn't have a whole lot of starting experience, but uh, it's somebody that they're obviously going to get in the building, give an opportunity, and, and maybe he can find his way uh, onto, the, onto the active roster. But, um, it is, it's an evolving thing and it's going to be an evolving thing. That roster, uh, throughout training camp, um, uh, you know, into the season, not a big surprise that, uh, you know, that, that they've added another player and I'm not really that surprised at the position of group that they've addressed to. Right. So we'll see how it all pans out again. Uh, another addition for the Raiders here. Any more on Chris Jones? <laughs> I don't know what else really to, I'll be honest. I don't know what else really to say until I could uh, no. see something. All right. Uh, well, if he makes the roster, it'll be amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. been on he's been on NFL rosters since 2018. So um, you know, there's maybe it's you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like you, you you never know how it all plays out, and and depth and special teams also mm-hmm. is such a critical part of this as well. So, well, that's why I was bringing up uh, Duran Harmon as somebody as a veteran presence, yeah. uh, somebody who plays meaningful games, plays. Uh, you know, it started pretty much every game in the last two seasons, even though it was in Atlanta and Detroit, respectively. But, you know, somebody who has like nearly 40 passes uh, defended, um, deflected rather, in the last uh, nine years. Somebody who's got uh, interceptions in every year that he's played. Uh, that's These are the kind of things that you need in this defensive backfield. When you need a, a secondary that is woefully de- deficient in interceptions, only six last year and nine the year before. Terrible. It's like uh, Deron Harmon's a guy that's going to be relied upon at least to get the safeties up to a group. Now, we've got so many different names that are in that group right now where you think of, you know, from, uh, you know, you're, you're going to rely again on Roderick Teamer, Dallin Levitt, 
Tyree Gillespie. Deron Harmon's a guy that's got to help bring up the other end of these uh, of everyone else's uh, maturation because there's no time to wait. And quite honestly, like Roderick Teamer, okay, we saw some good stuff there. But Dallin Levitt is a guy that still needs to work uh, on his technique. He's got the speed and the quickness. But for Deron Harmon, uh, maybe he needs to be another coach on the field to kind of get everyone up to another level. And it makes me wonder, like, all right, who's going to start? You know, if you got multiples in that defensive secondary, you kind of need like a little co-captain there. And maybe Deron Harmon's that guy. Yeah, I agree. And it's hard to imagine him not playing, you know, uh, or not having a big role on this defense. He's just too good and he's too experienced. And like you said, he knows this defense uh, and that is worth its weight in gold right now. But whose time does he cut into? And I, I would imagine that would be Jonathan Abram. I think Jonathan Abram at this point. For me, um, you know, he could he has a chance to to change this perception, but I think he's kind of a limited player on what you can expect him to do, uh, and and uh, especially in terms of sort of mitigating and managing his weaknesses, he's not very good in mm-hmm. pass coverage. Yeah, uh, and and when you when you ask him to do things that are outside his comfort level, he becomes, and we're being frank, nothing against him personally, but he becomes a liability too often. Whereas I think Harmon comes in and is somebody that you can absolutely rely on. Yeah, that should be a good uh, composition, watching those guys kind of duke it out. I was thinking about with the addition of this cornerback is uh, Keyshawn Nixon. You know, when Mm -hmm. you needed somebody on special teams that could be uh, a game, like just somebody you could rely upon, somebody whose game is just in the mix. I, I always thought Keyshawn Nixon was that guy on special teams that... They look to, and he kind of helped lift the morale, I think, of the special teamers when he was out on the field with them. And you do need a guy like that. And I don't know if this is the guy, but I was just thinking about Keyshawn Nixon and his departure and how important he was to special teams and seeing like, you know, how some of these guys might fill into that role. It's funny because we just mentioned Amik Robertson. What does this mean for Amik Robertson? You know, it really That's where <laughs> yeah. it's the back end of this of that of that cornerback room where this this move directly affects. They have to have competition there, I think, because they are not exactly sound on on what they feel their approach is with all these new faces that they need to make sure that they go into the season without any stone unturned. Like They have to have a group of uh, three to four guys that they feel very, very comfortable with. And and even here on uh, Raider Nation Radio, we'll talk to Anthony Galaviz from the Fresno Bee at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to him a little more about what Derek Carr and Devontae Adams uh, have been uh, working towards, all their relationships ever since they were at Fresno State. But uh, even now, with Derek Carr going back to Fresno uh, this weekend, uh, great stuff that's uh, coming up at 8 o'clock with Anthony. But we'll get back more into the defense as well as what does uh, a a captain start looking like for this defense, especially when you have so many faces and what Patrick Graham (laughs) is dealing with. All that and more on Raider Nation Radio. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, tremendously. Um, you know, dude has a lot of knowledge. Um, like you said, he's been in the game for for a while. So um, as soon as he got here, you know, I tried to start picking his brain. Everybody started trying to pick his brain, and he's been given, you know, all the knowledge he can. He's been trying to help us on and off the field, not just with football, but with life too. So he's been a great, you know, addition to the team too. Trayvon Merrick coming back there on Deron Harmon. Not only in, in on the field, but I mean, in life, they're already talking to. Deron Harmon in, in ways that he's made already an impact in the short amount of time here on the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio. Anthony Galaviz will join us from the Fresno Bee in just a few minutes, top of the hour. Uh, would you look at uh, uh, 
you know, if, if you feel like Patrick Graham wants to go and do a lot of different disguises on defense, could you foresee where maybe it's Trayvon Merrig and Deron Harmon maybe in the, in the you know, in playing center field in the too high safety look as opposed to Abram and Merrig? Because Abram can play in many different ways. And maybe Duran is a guy that kind of helps bring about a different evolution for Merrick's game by sitting back there with him. I don't see how you can have any comfort level right now putting Jonathan Abram back uh, in that safety position. He showed mm-hmm. Heidi his first couple of years. He just, that's not a fit for him. He's a better player playing closer to the line of scrimmage where you're allowing him to. Um, you know, be a run defender, be somebody that you can use in the blitz game. Uh, and then also when it comes to defending uh, areas of the field, you're, you're, you're uh, condensing the field for him so that he's only, you know, uh, defending spaces of the field, not like long, huge, open, you know. Don't uh, leave him in area. coverage. You can't. <laughs> he's you, a liability. Yeah, he, he, that's what he's been. I mean, if yeah. he makes the improvements, good on him. Uh, but I think to your point, Clay, uh, Harmon and, and Morig, um, um, uh, Trayvon Morig, just seem better suited in that too high safety look. And then you mix in Jonathan Abram in his role more as a almost a uh, in that box safety position. Right. And one of the things that I've liked about Patrick Graham's defense that we were talking about here uh, was the idea that he can bring up somebody and disguise the coverage so well and have them appear like, hey, they're going to be in a zone here or they're going to be out, you know, deep in the field and the back third of it. And then he brings them in on like a, a safety blitz or a corner blitz it uses them up front like as kind of linebacker looks like you're saying Vinny in the box so those are different things that the Patrick Graham defense does that I don't know yet who is necessarily his joker that he's going to use in all of those positions but I feel like Jonathan Abram gives him the best chance of coming up on that line and being aggressive and going after those tackles I mean look what he did last year with tackles uh, it was second on the team right it was really really impressive to see that he put together those numbers when he was, like you said, in that box role, but can't be trusted. I think in coverage, if he improves that Mm -hmm. in this new defense with these new coaches and these new looks, maybe there's room for improvement, but I feel like in the past, it's been like 110, 109 passer rating. He's allowed when and targeted and he's in coverage against opposing quarterbacks. And that can't happen now. Uh, that can be a little bit deceiving sometimes. If 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 he's making the tackle on a three yard reception, playing close to the line of scrimmage, I'll take that every day of the week. Sure. It's it's the you know uh, being a liability in pass coverage where you're allowing then a forty yard run or twenty yard run or an eighteen yard run. Um, I'll go back and check to see how many yards after the catch he he gave up. In years past, it was horrible. I think it was like eleven in his first year like yeah. yards mm-hmm. after the catch, and and then there are also if the, I'm remembering the right. bad angles he would take coming mm. from the back end uh, on tackles, whether it was uh, a you throw mean whiffing, <laughs> right? Sorry. Exactly, yeah. no <laughs> doubt whiffing. about it, no doubt about it. Whereas yeah. that was lessened last year. Again, he's working in a more confined uh, area of the field so that it it it'll, it it mitigates or manages the open field issues uh, that he had. So. It's hard. I mean, he, he looked pretty good. I have to say this: uh, there were there were some competitive periods in eleven on eleven where he was defending linebacker, or excuse me, tight ends uh, and slot receivers over these last couple of weeks, and he looked pretty good. But again, it was it was in that condensed uh, mm-hmm. role and that condensed uh, area of the field that he was working in. Yeah, like you said, the box or give him just an area where he can just focus on in that 
realm. Like this is your five yards west. This exactly. is your five yards east. This is your five. You know, just give him that area, and I think he'll do well. Uh, and that contains the heat-seeking missile. A Joker yeah. role seems, you know. That, that, that kind of fits what he's able to do, right? You're looking for playmakers. That could be one of them. Nate Hobbs could be another. But if you're looking for guys that can go and use their speed to an advantage where no one else on the field can really keep up with that, that could be great. But it's it, it just seems to be somewhat limiting, you know, when it comes into the pass coverage. And and when you do look at, like, you know, passer rating and um, and, and completion percentage for, for certain safeties, it's not like Deron Harmon is, is, you know, winning any, like, major championships there. I mean, he, he's allowed a 99 last year when he was in Atlanta, 99 passer rating, 114.6 the year before with Detroit, awful team. Um, but in years past when he was with the Patriots, considerably better. Maybe a more of a, 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 a when you're on a defense that has a more of a plan and more of a role for you and is going somewhere like has as all sorts of benefits of having a great offense. Yeah, I could see that where this could be, you know, what maybe a shared responsibility in that safety role. Yeah, uh, and playing with better players alongside better players Good always Lord, yeah. helps, especially mm-hmm. when you're you know uh, so much of pass coverage too. Uh, Clay and Heidi is getting to the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, you know, having people uh, put pressure on the quarterback to make them throw less accurately and and sometimes uh you know off balance all of those type of things when you can sit back you mentioned when he was at the detroit lions what was it 114 with the lions yeah he was probably like the geez i wonder guy. why yeah so he was just off on an island in the last year of uh of patricia's defense and Awful. nobody was getting to the quarterback uh, and so quarterbacks were just sitting back there picking apart defenses and that's where perspective sometimes comes into play oh it really does let's take a break we'll come back Anthony Galavis joins us from the Fresno Bee. He was at Derek Carr's event on Friday in Fresno. We'll talk about Carr and Adam's relationship. Going back to the Fresno State days. All that and more coming up next. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. 